Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Exalt. Exalt are a brand that provide juices and shakes from all raw, fresh and natural ingredients, and they're designed by nutritional experts. They're a brand that actually reached out to me a couple of months ago. The first thing I did was Google what they're about and their mission, etc. And the first, the first line of their mission statement read, food fuels our physical, mental and emotional well-being. And straight away, I kind of knew that they're a brand that very much aligns with what we're about at Eat Look Feel. They have a strong focus on sustainability, the mission, the values, the people. They're just a genuinely very, very impressive brand. Throughout my coaching, I talk a lot about creating convenience and enjoyment through your nutrition to create sustainability. And I think what Exalt are doing is exactly that. They provide ready-to-drink shakes that are super convenient and full of good nutrition. So if you do see Exalt about, give them a go. I can genuinely recommend them, both the products and the brand. Another collaboration that we're very grateful to have on this podcast is with Pure Sport. Pure Sport are the UK's leading CBD and natural wellness brand. They have a strong focus on honesty, community and creating natural products to help prevent injury, illness and sustain general health. I personally have used their products for a very long time now. The staples that I use are the CBD oil, which I find really helps me downregulate at night and, and actually improves my sleep. And the muscle and joint balm, which I use for general maintenance and if I have any sort of muscular niggles. They're a brand that do things properly. So if any of their products align with you and your goals, I do recommend using. You'll be able to find the link to the products that Pure Sport offer in the bio to this episode. Welcome to the Eat Look Feel podcast. This podcast is here to delve into inspirational and aspirational guests' personal health, digging a little bit deeper into how they approach their nutrition, their training, and their mindset, all with the idea to create better for themselves. Please subscribe and please do share with anyone who you think might find this valuable. As usual, create better always, the Eat Look Feel team. This week's episode is with Corey Sampson. Corey is a model, a TV personality, and has recently started his own health and fitness movement called Wake Up and Move. We talk through the way Corey's training has changed from his bodybuilding days to what he looks like today and the hybrid training model that he implements. We also talk through his personal morning routine, his non-negotiables, and how he approaches his own recovery. We then delve into the mindset side of things, talking gratitude, motivation, perception, and that core drive of wanting to be the best you can be. So without further ado, this is Corey Sampson. Corey, good morning. Morning, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I believe this is your uh, your first podcast. So I feel very pleased. yeah, yeah. It is yeah. Well, I I reached out to you to come on, didn't I? So yeah, no. I I, I love the I love the concept. I love what you're doing with it and stuff. So I really wanted to to do a podcast and I wanted to do it properly um, and not talk about I don't know like relationships in sex or something and like what most people would kind of ask. Um, me to go on with the reality TV stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing what we can talk about today. So you might have heard it before. This is the question that I start the podcast with every single week, and that is, how would you define health? So what does healthy mean to you? 
So, uh, to be honest, it's changed quite a lot over the years. Going back to what I used to bodybuild when I was like 19, 20. Um, so, like, I've done a few competitions. I was massive at one point. Um, I've done like, one Mr. Plymouth. Um, I went in at like a couple of different categories. I went in as a, like a junior and ended up doing like first timers and all this stuff. stuff. Um, and then my, I wasn't healthy. I was obsessed with the gym and training and my diet, nutrition, but not in from a health point of view. Um, and now I'm very much more focused on like your health as like a whole. So like I believe there's like a physical, um, mental you have like your spiritual health and also like your heart, which is what you kind of put out to the world as well. Um, and I, I really try to be as best as all round as I can. Um, I think with balance, sometimes it goes a little bit more one way. Um, like I feel like physically and from a nutrition point of view, like I have that spot on. Um, so it's like the other stuff that I need to kind of keep progressing with. And when you mentioned that it's changed a lot from your bodybuilding days, is that what you're alluding to? Is that now you kind of have the view of, say, the spiritual side of health and what you're giving back to the world? That's kind of your health. That's the area yeah. that has improved recently. You kind of, the bodybuilding was just so focused on the physical side of things, right? Yeah, it was so, so linear to, to just to the gym, basically, and how you look. And I feel like, it, to be honest, now I feel like I look miles better anyway, but for, for loads of different reasons, like your skin, like um, how fit you are and healthy you are as a person is really important for day-to-day -day life, like not just being like in the gym and being massive, um, which is like fair play to everyone that wants to do that. And it is, but it is a very linear sport. Um, so for me now with like modeling and the other stuff that I do, um, I feel like I can't really be that linear with that. But I much prefer how I am now with um, the way that I train and um, the way that I look after myself in my mind and how I give back to, to others and everything as a whole. That's what health's all about. So let's go, back, let's go backwards a little bit. We'll come back to that training side of things because I'm fascinated by it. But tell us a bit about yourself. So yeah. your background, I know you said you started off sort of in, a, in, in the bodybuilding space and then how you've made the journey yeah. towards, you know, your TV, your modelling, and now you're in the fitness space yourself in, in probably a slightly different way to you were previously yeah so i think i started in the gym when i was like 16 17 i was like really young um i used to really be sporty and stuff i was never that good at like the i'd say team sports like a little bit but like just uh i don't know like foot, everyone played football and i played football for seven years but i was never like amazing at football and i was never that fit like as a child um but i was always really active and then yeah i went into the gym um, I went to university, so I was in the gym in college and uni. Um, I only did a year at uni, I ended up dropping out to become a personal trainer um, because I just, I really loved training. I like, for some reason, I just, so I just there's something about it, I just, I was drawn to it. Um, so I started, started to PT, then started bodybuilding. Um, and it wasn't until I'd done my like, second show, I did it for like two years. And then I was like, you know what, this isn't um, sustainable, it's not good. It, I didn't feel like it was good for me. Um, I was, yeah, so I stopped um, and I kind of fell out of love with training. It's trained a little bit, but I was like, I kind of got a bit softer and started losing a little bit of muscle. Like, just a general, like, you, you're not going to gym seven days a week anymore sort of thing um, and not watching my diet. I was just, like, partying a lot. And, and that's when I got into, like, the reality TV side of it. So I was a bit, I kind of a bit of a party boy more so than anything else. Um, and then once I come off that, 
just sort of maintained that for a while. Um, even though it was sort of I come off um, two what to handle, so I did two what to handle first. Um, it's my first TV show. I come off there two years ago. I filmed it three years ago. I come off two years ago in a. It was like mid lockdown, so in between like lockdown, like coming not lockdown again, whatever. I was almost just like I couldn't train properly because most people couldn't. I didn't have access to a lot of things. Like like a bit of stuff at home, um, and I was just going out a lot and like eating what I wanted and. And I, I was kind of like trying to get back into training again and finding a love for it. And I think it took me like about six months. And then I kind of started to realize why I did it in the first place. And like the actual, how it's beneficial for me as a whole, as a, as a person in every aspect of my life, not to be really linear with it. Um, and then, yeah. And then now I'm sort of doing a bit of everything. <laughs> Sounds like you've gone full circle, but I think I think it happens. Yeah. I think it happens to a lot of people around our age, if you like. It you know, you start yeah. with that. It's all about physical. Like that's how you start. Everybody gets into yeah. the gym and it's about the physical side of it. But yeah, I've watched a lot of like YouTube, um, YouTube like bodybuilding things. So all uh, all I had was like the extreme of like watching all their day to days and that was kind of what got me more and more into it. Yeah, and I think as well, as you get older, priorities change slightly. And I think there's probably an element of, as well of you have to get into that shape to actually realise that it's probably not what you expected it. Like when you, before yeah. you got into that shape, you kind of had that idea like, well, when I get into that shape, life's going to be set. Like that's all I want. That's it. And then you kind of like this idea that the goalposts are always moving. You know, you get to that shape and you realise, actually, I'm never going to complete this. I'm always going to want more. And then yeah. other things like, you know, like your mobility, your how you feel, your balance in terms of social life and your health in terms of giving to others all become slightly more important as you get older and then you start sort of curating this different idea of health to, yeah, to when yeah. you first started yeah 100 percent. i think as well when you're aiming for goals that are like very appearance based and it is like there's a mountain it's like a mountain you're climbing a mountain once you get there you've just got to come back down again and like you almost there's like that thing where they talk about like the gold medal syndrome with like Olympic athletes and stuff like you get a gold medal and then it's like well what's next like I've just hit that like all right cool I did a competition I'm shredded and now a month later I'm not shredded and I'm not as big as or like do you know I mean you like there's it's always it's very like hard to 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 have like longevity in that. 100%. It goes back to that saying, I'm sure you've heard it a lot, where it's about the journey, not the destination. The value comes in the journey to get there, and actually the destination is overrated. Yeah, I've got um, quad, quad vita septura s tattooed on me, which is to pursue the path, which like in a non-literal meaning is to enjoy the journey, for like, to enjoy the path to where you're going. So, so I've done a bit of research in, into, into yourself and what you're up to, and uh, I've seen you've recently launched Wake Up and Move which is your own, your own sort of health platform. And I absolutely love the message behind it. And I presume that this was inspired by you seeing sort of value in your own morning routine and in waking up and moving. So mm. what I wanted to ask you was why, what does that look like? And why is that so important to you? Um, to be fair, when I first started it, I literally was just every day, I used to get up at like six in the morning, like religiously, six in the morning every day. Um, I'd always like, I'd get up, read for 20 minutes. I had this very, like, very structured routine and it, I didn't like, like falling off it. I'd take the dog out for a walk or I'd do my first run and then take the dog out. So every day I was literally getting up and moving and I'd, I'd post it on Instagram and I'd just say, wake up and move. And then um, people started like resharing it and like doing their own versions and tagging me and then I was resharing them. And it just become a little thing. And I was like, 
um, like this to kind of go somewhere a little bit. Like I want to, I want to inspire people. People will literally message me like, mate, you're like, I see you thing in the morning and I'm like in bed, better get out of bed and go do something. Like it was literally like people were telling me, even like I was meeting people in clubs in like Chelsea or wherever in London and they'd be like, oh mate, like I've been trained, I've been running twice, twice a week because I've been seeing you posting and waking up and moving up and I was like, oh, I might be onto something here a little bit. Um, so let me have like a bit of a stab at it. Um, but yeah, like my morning routine was really important. I had this like mad structure. That first hour of the day, I had to do like, I had to read, I'd like journal a little tiny bit, just like write stuff down, what I wanted to do with the day and how I was feeling and stuff. And I'd be out with a dog um, or I'd be running um, every morning and then I'd have like my breakfast and then I'd like go to the gym. Um, and it was very like structured and I didn't like, so I'd, I'd stop like, when I was dating, like people, I'd, I'd not want to have someone stay around because it would mess up my morning. So it was, it was getting a bit like it was, it was good, but it was almost too much. Um, and then more recently, I've been looking at my like sleeping, my recovery a lot more in depth. So getting up at six a.m. every day isn't always going to happen because I'm not going to get my like my full night's sleep that I need. Um, so I stopped doing it. I like waking up at a very similar time and I try to go to bed at the same time, but with work and different things that I do, like it's not always going to happen. Um, so I'm trying to like have a bit of a better balance with my morning um, without it affecting me because else it would like ruin my day. Because, like, I didn't get up at six this morning. I haven't read, I haven't had time to do this. Like, and it would ruin the rest of my day, which is not what the whole point of it wasn't to do that. Yeah, I really like that. It's almost like bringing balance to the morning routine because I think we get told you yeah. have to have this sort of strict morning routine and that's how you become productive and that's how... But like you say, if that's then delving yeah. into you overthinking things and actually, you know, then you're lacking sleep because you're forcing yourself to get up and you're almost, you're almost having the opposite effect of it. Yeah, go back to the original message as well, like the wake up and move thing now is literally just like, just get up and actually do something, um, get moving it's so good for you to like for your mind and for your health to actually like exercise first thing in the morning or just go and even if it is just to go out and walk like it's easy for me to do because i've got a dog and I kind of almost have to now but i didn't have to walk him in the morning i've made that as a routine with him but like yeah that's the actual message is just to get up and actually do something and just start the day properly i like it one thing that i always talk about i talk about a lot with clients actually is that the best morning routine starts the night before and yeah. I actually saw this on, I think it was a video you did on your socials, uh, or maybe you, maybe you were just speaking, as you were talking about, about your down regulation and how important it is to get the right night time and then that sets up the right amount of sleep, which yeah. then actually brings the energy in the morning. So what does is, what is your downtime look like? If it, maybe not every day, but when you're in control, when you're you know, on things, what does that look like? Um, have, you, have you read the book, Why Have We Sleep? You know? I have actually, yes. Yeah, it's, so that, that changed my whole outlook on it completely. Like about, I'd say like six months ago, I got a week back and um, I, like, I started monitoring my sleep, but this is before I read the book. Like, I started monitoring my sleep and I was getting like actual sleep, like five, six hours a day. And I thought, oh, I, feel, I don't feel that bad, whatever, like, I can get by with this. And I was training like twice a day and doing, and doing that. Um, like I wouldn't drink because that affects your sleep, but um i didn't realize like how much like your sleep it's just everything like your recovery um your like, focus the next day like 
your memory, like all of it is, it's basically everything's there to dance your sleep because when you're sleeping, that's when we're like repairing things, our body's just working. Um, so, I, so to be honest, like my sleep now, I'm a bit more strict with like making sure I get like my seven hours like of actual sleep. So a combination of reading, like looking in the womb has actually really helped me to do that. Um, if I'm, if I feel like I need to, to get some, like something a little bit better, have an Epsom salt um, bath, cause it is meant to, it's meant to improve the REM sleep, which is the like important side of the sleep. Um, and magnesium as well, but I don't like to do that religiously. I think, to be honest, my like evening routines, my evenings kind of like my actual downtime from everything. So I'm a little bit more just relaxed in, in the evening um, to what I do, but I just make sure sleep is a priority now for me. Do you ever, do you implement anything like getting off screens early? Do you try and do that? Do you read um, in the evenings? How does that look? Uh, that's actually the one thing that I'm quite bad at with working everything else like I actually for me like I'm always on my phone so I'm not really like the best at doing that to be honest like I'll probably take me on advice like, I'd never tell anyone not to do it because I don't do it myself but um with like tv and stuff I kind of limit how much I do I, I don't watch too much but I actually do really like laying down and just like putting a film on or watching an hour of an episode so I do actually try to do that um because it's, it's just like a way of me actually relaxing um, which I think is important. But I've actually started reading in the evenings because um, you're at, your memory is better before you sleep. So, like, you actually retain a little bit more. So I used to love reading in the morning. Um, but now I, I read before bed and I feel like I can take it in a little bit better. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's an important topic because we get told, you know, do this perfect evening routine where you know eat two hours before bed and don't look at screens and don't read self-development books but read more fictional books and it's almost impossible for most people yeah like you said you're i presume most of the work you do is on your phone so therefore you probably kind of need to and maybe in the evenings you want to consult or contact people that's that's your sort of time to reply and i think like you say everyone just has their own iteration of of a downtime routine and it's it's just about what works for you and it's about what brings you that sleep quantity and quality but i think you're spot on i think sleep is so so important and i think it's one of the sort of massive pillars of health that gets neglected and it's it's such an easy fix it's it's free like everyone's got access to it i know some people have like um like actual conditions that can affect and stuff but like we've all got access to having a full good night's sleep if we wanted to if we turn the tv off two hours earlier every night or to get up to work in the morning. It means that everyone can do it. But people were like, oh, if I buy this supplement and do this and do that, it might like, like be life-changing. But just if you focus on that, if you get really, really good at the basics, then you're going to do like so much better in the long run. So moving towards your, your personal training, I know you mentioned earlier that you kind of, you know, you used to approach it with probably a very bodybuilding type split and method. Yeah. Um, and I see now you talk a lot about this hybrid method that you have towards your training. I mean, you're obviously yeah. in, in unbelievable shape, but also you're training for a marathon now. So tell us a bit more about that, that sort of personal training and the approach you're sort of taking to it at the moment. Yeah, so I used to just go to the gym and just do like, at one point, chest, back, legs, arms, shoulders, like all of that. Um, now, like, my training is very, I like to structure it almost a little bit crossfit So um, I have, like, a, a compound sort of movement. I'll do, like, I'll train weights, like, usually push-pull legs, push-pull legs every week. So, like, six days in the gym. 
Um, and then I, I split it up. So one day chest focus and then like my leg focus will change slightly and stuff. And I'll, I'll do a heavy back squat one session and then a bit lighter the next one. Um, it, but it's always evolving with my goals and stuff. So where I have the marathon, I think that's in six weeks. Um, I started increasing my running. I was doing like two, five Ks a week as well as my push, pull legs, push, pull legs. And I box twice a week normally. Um, so I'm doing like double sessions and doing loads basically. And uh, I started running a bit more. So I had to increase my distances. Um, and I ended up getting to, I'm doing like two 10Ks and a half marathon on like some some weeks. So it's, it's quite intense. So my leg training's obviously suffering a little bit. So I've had to cut my legs down to like one big leg day. And then my my push, my pole day and my second leg day is now like a, a posterior day. So it's a little bit of legs and a bit of like rear legs and a bit of back. Um, so it, but it's, it's always like sort of, changing with me because of what my goals are like i, I want to fight at some point so when that happens revolving around boxing and then um my weight training is definitely going to drop a little bit and i'm going to do more conditioning but like my normal weight days i do like a compound some hypertrophy and then conditioning work anyway um because that's the kind of where i am currently you have a very that's a very like large output in terms of energy yeah and as we know right like we speak about a lot, you, you can train hard, but you have to then recover harder. Mm. So what does your recovery look like? like? How do you approach your recovery? Because obviously to, to, you know, to have that output of that amount of sessions per week, plus the miles now you're putting through the legs also. Yeah. I know you mentioned you're really prioritizing sleep, which I presume is helping you out massively, but what are there sort of mm -hmm. other protocols that you're implementing from a recovery point of view to really set you up to then, you know, turn up the next day? Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, it's not for everyone. And I do periodize my training quite a lot. So, like, there's times when I'm sprinting and there's times when I'm slightly off. Like, the last couple of weeks, I had a calf issue. Um, so, when I did that half marathon on Sunday, it was my, like, biggest time, my biggest distance that I managed to get up to in my long runs. And I felt fine. I had a bit of a shin, shin split prior, prior to that. So, I was running a lot of roads. And obviously, when you run roads, all the impacts exactly the same, so flat. So it was going through my shin. So I thought, right, I'll do a little trail. So I did a trail run and it felt better. Um, four days later, I went to physio. So that's one of the main things that I've been doing um, for my recovery has been going physio like every three weeks and getting like a full body massage, any areas that I've got problems um, goes in on it. But he went in on my, on my shin and my calf. And then the day after I was, Probably shouldn't have, cause, but to get all my sessions in, it felt like I needed to go on like an easy run to get my week in. So I went for a little run and I got 2K and I pulled my calf and I wasn't even pushing myself. It was literally like the easiest session I, I could have done. Um, and it was because I was doing too much. Um, but now I've managed to get over it within two weeks. I'm back running again already and I've maintained my weight training the whole time. Um, and I think like, to be honest, it's all to do with your nutrition, your sleep, um, there isn't anything like magic that's going to do to fix anything. Also, I've, I've taken a lot of time to build up to like this intensity. So it's not just like I've started to go, right, I'm going to train twice a day, running 10K here and here. Like my distances, my running has been incremented by like 10% weekly. Um, my actual days running, I only increased it by one, like right near the beginning. And I actually reduced my weight training slightly for that. But I was already training weights like, almost every day I, I, like i used to never really take like actual rest days like even today is like a, is a programmed rest day but i'm gonna go to the gym and do mobility work 
um, and I went for a long walk this morning. I think stretching every day is actually something you can do for your recovery, which is essential. And um, a really good like mobility warm up, like pre pre training. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, it's something that we talk about a lot. Is that you know your, your warm up dictate dictates the pace of the session. Like you never yeah. have a good session if you don't warm up properly. And I think it's probably the most neglected, maybe stretching as well, but it's probably the most neglected area of particularly running. Like mm. How many people just bop out for a 5K without really sort of preparing the body? Yeah. So like I've started um, doing a dynamic warm up for running and then also um, doing a light pace. So I used to just go out and do 5K and do sub 20. Every, every single 5K I'd run with sub 20. Like sub 20s are all like 20 minute 5Ks, 21 minute. And then now I go out dynamic warm-up run for 2k at like a five minute like a conversion pace and then do my like my tempo runs and then sometimes i'm doing an easy run sometimes i'm doing a mix of both it's not always like 100 percent. have you ever used the pure sport um cbd balm or the roll-on the freeze roll-on have you ever have you ever come across that so, so when i when i pulled my calf i actually got the freeze roll-on because yeah. i've seen someone else using it um from pure sport so i've been using that yeah um but like pre pre doing stuff on it and i feel like it, it it's actually helped because i've been trying to do as much as i can to get over this calf issue because i've got six weeks i mean myself and i work with a lot of clients who, who are running as well and they um they implement the same thing and honestly that stuff's a godsend it's a uh such, mm. such a good product but one thing i one thing i really took from that was you mentioned about being injured and you mentioned about keeping things moving so you might have had the calf injury, but then you kept things moving in the weight sort of session. You worked around it and you kept your nutrition on point. You kept your headspace on point. And I think that's something really powerful because I think a lot of people and potentially people listening to this injuries kind of people view injury as a time to sort of switch off, say, and yeah. neglect, say what that like, you know, oh, well, I'm injured, so I can't do anything. And then therefore you turn towards, say, comfort food. Therefore, you turn yeah. towards, oh, you know, sort of feeling sorry for yourself and not not being as motivated. So how how is it that you sort of approach that with with the is it just a case of you being so motivated that it kind of comes second nature? Um, yeah. So to be honest, I I I love training and I love just moving. Like I've actually been like for the past like two weeks like itching to go. I've got a bit of like attention deficit and I feel like when I when I'm pushing myself like it it really helps with my head. It clears my head and like all the other benefits, not just for the physical. So. An injury to me almost is a bit like, like I have to do something still. Um, but obviously, rest is really important. So, like, I'm not gonna if I, I've pulled my calf, I'm not gonna go and try run on it for a couple of weeks. That's like it would be counterproductive because it's it's gonna set you back even further. But I'm always thinking about five steps ahead. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. So, I could basically go right. I'm gonna have like a whole week off training, which would like. It's, it's very hard to keep habits going and to maintain sort of like stuff you've built up if you have like two weeks off completely. So in my head, I've got to be right, I need to keep my diet on point because else I'm going to have to come back into intense training and a diet. Whereas if I keep my diet going, my training is just going to fall back into place a lot easier. And like if I keep my sleep to where it was, my recovery is going to be better because that's when you're healing. So like, even though you're injured, your, your injury could last for four weeks if you don't do everything properly, but you could try to speed it up by doing everything. And I, I feel like how you do anything is how you do everything. So my training is 100%. So why is everything else not going to stay 100% when I'm not training? 
like you say, it's almost when you get injured is a sign that one, you've probably got something wrong previously, but two, it's yeah. double down. And all, almost ironically, it's the time to really get your nutrition aligned and to really make sure your training's on point. So you bring your recovery on. Whereas I think so yeah. many people, I mean, how often do we see it? It actually, people approach it in the opposite way, whereas injury and, uh, you know, I can't train now. So I might as well, there's no point in eating well because I can't train. And it's such a backwards yeah. approach. Like that's the time to really double down on nutrition. That's the time to like, like you said, you can speed up your recovery. Like at the end of the day, nutrition's medicine. Like it's what you put mm. in your body. It's the way it works. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's better to prevent it. <laughs> um, but once, once it's happened, you can't change it. So there's no point like feeling sorry for yourself. Just try to, yeah. But I mean, I mean, knowledge is very important in that because like a lot of people kind of don't know how to, to manoeuvre certain things, so it, is, it would be more difficult. Very much so, very much so. And that moves nicely on to, to the mindset side of things, which, which is my favourite part always. And to be honest, I think that's where true health really lies. Like, you know, you can, the, the nutrition and training is kind of the easy part, but to get that headspace working for you yeah. is, is the hard part. So what practices, if, if any, do you use to look after your personal mental space? Um, to be fair, like, I always, people always ask me about like, motivation and stuff like that. And I think self-discipline is like really, really important because it almost makes certain things like automatic. So if you can every day, like, like I, I make my bed every morning. The first thing I do, I make my, like, I have to make my bed just because it's something that I've done in my head. So it's, it's like one of this, just to take it off. I've got to do that. Um, so like, just. Yeah, just looking after it, talking to yourself positively is, is really important as well. Um, I do a lot of stuff like, especially when I go back home, so I'm from the seaside originally, I live in London, but um, I love swimming in the mornings and like getting out and getting, like I call it psychological sunshine, even if it's not sunny outside, getting outside and like like moving basically, is is just like, even if I'm just walking the dog, going for a walk and like listen to a podcast or um just like listen to a really positive conversation i just think all of that is just really good to to keep you like just keep you ticking over yeah very much so i like it it's very similar to um to what alex cannon said i don't know if you know alex cannon but he came on and spoke so well about yeah. setting the tone for the day and it was something yeah. that i really i really resonated with and that's something that i still do now where he's like you know i get up in the morning and i just set the tone whatever whatever's going on even if i can't i sort of have my perfect morning routine I set the tone. He he said he uses music mainly, like puts music, yeah. upbeat, happy music that he likes, and he just sets the tone for the day. And it sounds like almost with your psychological, uh, I can't sorry, I can't remember the yeah. exact term, those terms that you use. Psychological sunshine. That's it, psychological sunshine. What you're doing is setting the tone for the day, right? It's taking taking ownership of that first half an hour to set the rest of the day up. It's um because they say like that could be anything, so. It could be like, if, if you enjoy it, I really love coffee as well. Sometimes if I've got like a, a slow sort of morning, I'll take the dog somewhere and get a nice coffee. Like it's just something that I just enjoy something for me that I can, I can do. It doesn't have, even if it's like when I'm not fully dieting for like a shoe or TV or like anything specific, I'll have like an, I'll go and have an almond croissant. Like I, I enjoy having an almond croissant, I'll go and have an almond croissant. I mean, it's not going to set me back at like having an, an almond croissant. If I cut some carbs from another meal, but even if I, I probably wouldn't even bother. But do you know what I mean? Just something that's for you that you really enjoy. It could be anything. Um, you need to find that and then just when you need it, do it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you have quite a busy life in terms of you've had your TV commitments, you've got your modeling commitments, now you've got your coaching and the wake up and move side of things. That inevitably must get stressful at times. How do you sort of approach offsetting that stress? Because obviously, you know, stress has come and stresses have a big impact on recovery. And going back to your sort of high output training wise, you must have to manage that stress well. Do you have any sort of protocols that you implement to manage that stress? Yeah, do you know what, actually, I've I done a mental health first day course recently, just for when, um, when I launched like, my Wake Up and Move stuff, I just wanted to do it, just uh, have a bit more knowledge, and it talks about stress, how it's like um, like tank, so things go in all the time, you never know when something else is going to be in there, so it's, it's always feeling, could be like work, could be like relationships, family, like ill health, anything, and then you have like a plug at the bottom, so you have like like good stuff that can unplug it, so like moving, exercise, like psychological sunshine, all them things, stuff that isn't detrimental to your to your health and your well-being, your mental health, because it's all connected, that helps unplug it and relieve some of the stress. Um, and then you have things like um, alcohol, sort of like addictions, like bad coping mechanisms that at first you think might be positive, like, oh, I'm going to unwind and go and have like a couple drinks. Um, but really, that's just offsetting the effects of the, of the stress and you're just letting it build up. So all you're doing with that is putting a plug in. Um, so I think as I've grown sort of in the last couple of years, like I used to go out every weekend and drink on the weekends and then train all week. And it was it's not it's not good for you. Um, I feel like avoiding certain things and being able to do that, having the willpower to do that and avoid them, um, them negative sort of coping mechanisms that there really helps with the stress because it never lets it build up too much um, because you're always managing it. I think that's because you never know when something's going to come and it's going to be like, work's not very good this month. I've got bills to pay, I've got this to do. I want like, do you know what I mean? That, that, that you can never predict that. Yeah, it goes almost back to that control, the controllables idea that is so mm-hmm. powerful, right? And it's actually just maintaining full control of the things you can control and then letting go of the things that, you know, you can obviously help these things, but some some things are under yeah. control, so don't stress over those things and don't let that add to the stress bucket, like you said. One thing that I really took from that, you, you mentioned about going out every weekend. Um, and it was like sort of something that you used to do a lot. And obviously, I guess a lot of that came down to your, you know, being in the TV space, being in the modeling space. There's a lot of sort of commitments there in terms of work events and getting your face out there, that sort of thing. But is is have you learned... How do I articulate this? Have you learned sort of power in saying no? Because I had a guest on who said, like, you know, one of the biggest changes they made as they have their health sort of paradigm has evolved is the power of saying no. And actually just it's something that we're all, I think, we're all you're real, we're, we are all guilty yeah. of. We're actually very bad at saying no to the things you don't want to do. So were you, yeah. were you sort of going out because you kind of felt the need to rather than actually wanting to? I think... Um... It's, it's almost like habit habits is like can be bad and good right so if you go out every single weekend you're, you're building that habit like you get to friday and you're like like 
someone asks you to do something, it's just going to be second nature to be like, oh, let's go and do that. And then once you're there, it's very easy to be like, oh, I'm not going to drink today. And then you end up having a couple of drinks and then your willpower is even worse. And then you end up out till whatever time. And then you, you get up the next morning and you eat shit food because you're like, you're almost like depressed from all the alcohol in the, like, the cortisol in the mornings, your stress levels. Um, so I've learned over like, once you get out of the habit of doing stuff, that's the hardest point. But then once once you've got out of the habit, it's so easy. Like I can go out now because I, I do still like have a social life and I still see my friends like every week and I do things all the time. Um, like I just know I can go out and have one drink now, at dinner, or just not bother drinking. If it's in the week, I will drink. If it's on a Saturday, I'll have I'll have a drink. I love, love an express martini. Um, so I've been again addicted to coffee and then I'll have a beer or something and I know it's not going to be detrimental to me to do that at 8pm at night I'll get home and I'll still have a full night's sleep but I don't feel the need to drag the night out and then have all the negative things that come with it because to be honest like you either don't remember half of what's happened or you just end up going out and just like regretting what you've done or like how you feel the next day um, especially with I'm just very mission orientated at this current moment in time so I'm glad that I managed to get out of their bad habits and now I can focus on what I want to do and where I want to go with my career and with like my fitness stuff. And I think people like yourself almost putting that message across is so powerful because a lot of people think the narrative needs to change around sort of it being cool to look after your, your health rather than that. Moment. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, if you go out and say you're not drinking, like I've had it to be honest, mate, with, with sort of my modeling commitments you have to there, there are there are sometimes trade-offs sometimes you have to say you know oh, i'm yeah. sorry man, i can't drink tonight and you know you always get people who, who mention something or you always get the people who you know that, that sort of think about that in a negative way and i think yeah. like the, the narrative is changing health's becoming more popular and like you like you said once you become healthier you you get addicted to the process but i think mm -hmm. like what you say it comes from that confidence and that like being mission orientated if you like and just saying no yeah. and, and like say we're all bad at saying no we're all bad at saying no we all need to get better I've, at it. I've got um i've got friends that like i do like sport and art proper on on what they do they'll go out on the weekend and then they can't say no and then they'll be out the weekend and then they'll regret it and they'll always be like oh why did i do that and i'm like you, why are you why are you asking me like to ask yourself if you don't want to do it then why are you doing it I mean, it's like, like some, sometimes it's the hardest pill to swallow is like your own advice. <laughs> um, it's personal so, responsibility as well. And we, I, we had a guest yeah. on a couple of weeks ago, Becky, who spoke so well about this. And she <laughs> said, at the end of the day, if you say no to something you don't want to do and the person <laughs> is going to judge you or hold you accountable for that, you, you likely don't really want them in your life anyway. Like anyone, anyone yeah. who truly cares is going to want the best for you, whatever that looks like. And I think that's a really yeah, nice way to look at, look, like, of looking at it. Yeah, another thing I got from your, um, another thing I get a lot and you, you talk a lot about is being the best you can be and pushing to be better in sort of all formats. How do you, do, is that something you've always had? Have you always had that drive? And do you have any tips, I guess, for listeners like who potentially want to sort of start adopting that mindset? Yeah, like, to be honest, I think some people have like, some people have it in them. This is like a sort of an honest answer because it's harder to sell, right? Some people have it in them. I think some people just like literally just don't have that that drive in them. Like no matter what you do, what they they want to like, they just don't. But there is a lot of people that just don't realise that they do have that drive in them. 
and that they can do these things and they will they do want to make a change but they just don't know how to start and I feel like that's like the one thing that I sort of want to tap into is like if I can help a couple of people like uncover this sort of like drive within them to become better all around then I've sort of done what I need to do like I've done my job um but to be honest from like from an it's 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 about compounding like these daily sort of positive things regardless of whether it's your health or your fitness or whatever like in your work like any like sort of line of work like your whole life like you have all these habits you can add on daily start off slow keep trying to make positive changes keep them going over time they become a habit it improves your whole life and then you just compound that interest in just keep on making progression with it that's the the only way I can sort of see it like I've done what I do for years and years and it's like it's a bit up and down but that's kind of how it's how it's evolved to where I am. Do you think it can be taught? Um, I think, yeah, like, I feel like your environment, like what you feed yourself with food and also knowledge, like all of that is so important. Like I, I started reading probably like three, four years ago. Like I never used to read. When I was a kid, I used to read like fiction stuff. I never used to read and then started reading in... Honestly, that there was one of the main things that sort of changed my whole outlook on life. Like, I started to read, like, loads of different personal development books and taking things in. Like, like I love learning now. I hated learning at school. Now I love learning. And it's only because I've started to learn about myself as well, what I, like, need. And, like, but all of it just sort of, everything starts to align a little bit. So I think you're, they call it epigenetics, which is how your, like, environment and the thing you surround the people you surround yourself with where you are everything sort of changes who you are as a person not built up on like how our genome and how we're actually like produced um so i think like what you actually take in and what you allow to be around you is kind of what's going to determine that yeah i really like it i think as well there's an element of you get addicted to the process once you start uncovering it and you almost like delve into the process of feeling healthier or whether it be say a self-development journey and you start for you say with the books you start you know uncovering all this stuff and think oh i could i was sort of leaving so much potential on the floor and then you get addicted yeah. to the process and yeah. i think that's where the sort of the key i guess for people listening who who were potentially looking to sort of get healthier or start that journey to becoming better to be honest, if they're listening, they're probably, you know, if, if they're listening to, to, to us speak about this, it's something you speak about so much, I'm sure they're, they are interested. It's that getting going yeah. that I think is that initial hurdle, like get going, start the process, and then you'll refine things over time. You'll start getting addicted to the process, as you say. You know, there's no one in the world who's ever got healthier or become better and sat there and gone, wish I didn't do that. But yeah, I'm great. Exactly. But how many people do you think get there when potentially later in life, and whether it be a business idea, whether it be, or let them, they've let themselves get so far out of shape, mm. you think they sit there and go, I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I'd done this earlier. Because your health's never yeah, going to get exactly. easier. The older you get, it's only ever going to get harder. There will never be a better time to get healthier. Moving on from that, which ties in nicely. Do you implement non-negotiables in your life? Yeah, like sort of off topic, but um, like integrity, so important. Like if I say I'm going to do something, no matter what it is I'm doing, um, whether it be like a promise to someone or um, within work or something physical. Like I did, um, I actually did the free peaks for charity um, in back in 
April this year. So I did it. It was like the Yorkshire 12, um, 12 hours. You've got within 12 hours to do it. Um, you've got to go up in the group three. Um, so six of us were starting it, as well as a, big, a bit of a bigger team, but six of us started it. Only two of us finished it, um, including a couple of the team, because it was like, it was, the weather was like horrendous. But in my head, I'm like, there's no way that I am not finishing this. I ended up stress fracturing my foot. <laughs> so I ended up limping around for a couple of weeks, but I did it um, because I said I was going to, like, so it's just like non-negotiable to me to put integrity. Um, and then, what else is that non-negotiable? I'm not even, I'm not even sure. I think just like doing something that's challenging, like every single day, there's something that I do, um, pretty much. Like, at one point it was sweat every day, but I think I've kind of learned that I don't need to do that to, to progress to where I want to be, but um, just do something that's challenging every single day. Yeah, I really like that. I really like the integrity one. I think it's, I think it's such a powerful tool. It's just, yeah. You know, say the way, and going back on what you said earlier, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. I think that ties in so perfectly to to that integrity. Yeah. Another thing I saw you say on your socials is that perception is key to your mindset. Don't tell yourself you have to do something. Tell yourself you get to do something. Mm. And I just really liked it. I really, I really sort of resonated with it. So I, I thought it would be good for you to just elaborate on that for us. Yeah, it's like we. To be honest, like a lot of people, I remember Molly May got really slated for, for saying, what was it, um, we all have the same 12 hours in a day or whatever. I think like like majority of people that are, that have, that are listening to a podcast like now are in a position to, to, to like look after themselves from a health point of view, right? So like we're all in like sort of, if we're listening to podcasts, we're in like, we're not in like a third world country, like living in a certain way. Um, and I think like we all have uh, this sort of like integrity with ourselves to like to to be like the best that we can. Really, like, I think everyone should kind of have that integrity with themselves. Like Jordan Peterson says, um, that we all have one life, so why not play the most beautiful game, right? So from a perception point of view, you could either say, right, so I've only got one life. I'm gonna go out every weekend. I'm gonna go on this holiday, do this, live my best life. Yolo, like yolo, sort of that mentality, right? That's one perception of that saying. But another perception of saying is, I've only got one life, so why don't I do something amazing with it and make an impact on the world? Like become the best person that I can. I owe myself that. That's the kind of way that I look at perception. So you have then two different outlooks on it. And I feel like we're all really lucky if you're healthy and you're able-bodied. Like you're such, you're in such a lucky position to be able to go afford a gym membership and go train every day. That's just the way that, or even just going for a run and being able to afford like half decent running shoes and still be able to like pay for your bills and eat the right foods because healthy food is a little bit more expensive. Do you know what I mean, like, if you're in that position, then you owe it to yourself to do that to, for yourself. I like the owe it to yourself. It goes back to being the best you can be, right? And coming from that sort of foundation. Yeah. Like there's, you can be really extreme. Like uh, what I do is very extreme, but um, yeah, you owe it to yourself to look after yourself. Anyway, and that leads us actually quite nicely into gratitude because I think that's kind of what where you're going with the, the say like perception side of things. You can either look at your life, and I think where you can all do it, we can probably all sit there and create a narrative for our life that is pretty negative. 
And you can also sit there and, you know, create a narrative for your life that's pretty positive. Again, it's one of those things that's so easy to say, but more difficult to do. But once you start getting yeah. control of that, I think it's really powerful. And I think gratitude plays a big part in that. And is that something that you would say you are good at? And has it sort of taken time for you to learn gratitude? I think it's something that I'm, I'm still sort of getting my head around. Because like sometimes I like, I look at like, I come up on my Instagram highlights and three years ago, I was still on a building site um, back in Plymouth in like making like okay money, but not really doing anything, like just felt out of place. And like, sometimes I, I like, I have to pitch myself and be like, I've got the most amount of freedom now that I could want. I make like an honest living. I can do what, kind of whatever I want to do to a, to a point. I like living within my means, but um, like sometimes I have to think like, I, I need to be grateful to be in this position because you're always going to want more. And if you get tied down to always want more, then you're never really going to be happy. Like you get like, I've got a, like, a, I got a, I used to buy like watches and I'd buy one watch and I'm like, I want to get this one now. And then I bought the next one. I had both of them. And then I was like, I really want the next one. And I was like, why are you being like, I needed to actually have a word myself and be like, stop being silly. I sold them all, got another one because it was a good financial investment, but I got one and now I'm happy and I don't even wear it every day. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of, I'm, I'm grateful to be where I am now. I don't want to like, to show off what I'm doing. Like, I don't feel like I need to. It's an insecurity sort of thing. Um, you just need to be grateful for where you are and what you've got. And that's how you find actual happiness. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. It's like um, Stephen Bartlett uh, articulates it so well about, about where he talks about the, like, the goalposts are always moving. The Corey of five years ago would look at the Corey now and be like, wow, that's all I ever wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like you could imagine yeah, when you're in that situation, obviously you're then thinking ahead and it's so difficult because we're constantly, especially I think, I think it's actually probably a con of having that growth mindset and that constantly trying to be the best you can be is it's actually quite yeah. hard sometimes to sit still and look, in, look at actually where you are right now and say, you know what? You know, this is where this is it. This is where I wanted to be. Like, you know, I'm doing all right, and it's hard to it's yeah. hard to sort of have that. And I think that's where, again, like a gratitude, like like you mentioned, I can resonate massively. It's, it's a huge work in progress. It's a huge work in progress. Yeah, yeah. something that an, another guest said that that was so powerful that I took away. And, and actually, I had loads of messages about it when when the podcast went out. Was this idea that happiness comes? Sorry, gratitude comes before success, and that actually. We, because I, I, I'll be honest. I kind of always had the idea that you became successful and you worked really, really hard. Whatever, whatever sort of success looks like to you, but you became successful yeah. and then you look back on it with gratitude. And he was like, yeah, no, 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 yeah. "You've got this wrong. It's it's gratitude first. You have to be grateful for where you are, and that then creates the happiness and creates the foundation for you to go and achieve the success." And it was such an interesting yeah. sort of idea. And one that, to be honest, I I had never kind of like thought of it like that. I know it sounds silly. Yeah, no, I'm just, it's like I'm just going back to like the the health being like a, a whole round an all round thing. Like that's sort of like your heart and like just in your in your sort of soul sort of side of your health and like being able to to talk positively to yourself and like clap, give yourself a like a clap on the back. Obviously, if you want to keep making progress, then you don't want to get complacent and just be like, oh, I've got everything I need now. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. But that's why having like different types of goals like that aren't to do with like how you look or how much money you make is really important so just keep going and then having just that goal that's just always not you're not going to reach 
the goal that you want to reach. It's always going to be an arm's length away. You've obviously, you know, over the years, you've grown, you've grown an incredibly strong following like on social media, etc. And I know how that works. It's obviously as powerful as that is, it comes yeah. with its cons. And, you know, I'm sure you receive a fair share of potentially negative messages, potentially people sort of criticising or judging you. Do you ever think that affects your mental space? And has that been a big learning curve for you, sort of as you've gone through the, from, like you say, from the building site to now being sort of a, yeah. quite a well-known personality? Well, when, so like, when you go on like these reality shows as well, they, they always do this like screening sort of process to check whether you kind of, like where you, where you are mentally and stuff. And I used to be like, before I did it, I was like, oh, no one can say anything that's going to get to me. Like, I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. But I was coming from a very like naive sort of young headspace anyway, in general life. But so when it actually happens, regardless of how strong you think you are or whatever, like subconsciously, it's going to keep digging away at you. Um, and it will get to you and you will, it, like things will annoy you and you, you, cause you have to go through your messages. If you don't go through your messages, you don't see potential work or things that could be positive as well. Um, and it's very easy to look over all the positive ones and pick one negative one out and go, sounds like you can train your legs harder. Do you know what I mean? Like people say that on like day before you'd be squatting in some mad weight and then the next day you post an upper body photo and you get a bit of leg in it and they're like, oh, you look, I don't train legs. Um, people are always going to say stuff. I think like coming off um, the first show I did, it was very intense and my following grew really fast and I didn't know how to process it properly and it did get to be like 100%. But I feel like after a few years, it, you, you learn how to deal with it. And I, I just understand now that one, I wouldn't take advice from some random stranger in the street that I don't know anything about that's probably never done what they're trying to advise or saying or like whatever negative thing they're saying, that's on them. That's their a negative mindset that's saying that thing um and also the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats so you just have to just just do what you're doing and just um you you learn to just i, I see it now in my life i don't know nothing gets to me anymore unfortunately it's part of success i think and there's always going to be yeah. people that, that sort of say or have something to say or think they have the right to say something. I think a really good way of, of viewing it and a way I've always kind of looked at it is like almost take personal responsibility and actually what other people think of you actually has nothing to do with you. It's not really yeah. your business. They can, you know, as long as you have, and going back to what you were saying, as long as you have that authenticity, that integrity from yourself, you know you're being 100% authentic, there's nothing really anyone can say because it's yeah. not your business. And, and I think that's a more, I say, probably a powerful way of just me that I've kind of approached it and just tried to reframe it in my head. Yeah, 100% perspective again. So, mate, thank you so much for your time. Really, really, really enjoyed it. And the, the question I like to finish on with, with everybody is what's the ultimate goal with your personal health? So, where do you want to take things? I know obviously you've got the marathon coming up in terms of short term goals, but long term goals, yeah. overall health perspective, where do you want to take things? Well, it goes back to saying like that never-ending goalpost, I think, to be honest, with health. I think there's always something that I can, can improve on or learn. And I'm, I'm always in like this growth sort of mind mindset. So, um, like, I know next year I'm going to want to run an ultramarathon to do the marathon. Like, it's next, but then I'm going to also want to do something completely different. So it's, it's never going to stop changing. And I think um, just just carrying on, trying to, trying to grow all the time, 1% better. 
Um, I love that saying. Um, every day is just kind of my goal now. And if I go down, I can get back up to that 2% that I just missed. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's just the way I'm always going to look at it. So I think having a, a goalpost that I'm actually ever going to reach is, is kind of the, the motivation now. Corey, thank you so much, mate. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.